All right. So, like I said, we have two weeks left in this study going through the book of James called Where Faith Meets Life. And like I said, we are just looking at how our faith practically can be lived out in everyday life, whether it be something super simple or whether it be with more serious stuff that we face. And um, last week we looked at just warning to the rich people and how we're to respond. Um, But today, tonight, I want us to talk about something that can be a little more personal. At some point, all of us will face at some point. And that is this idea of suffering. And so I know we've been going through that in Sunday school as well, to a certain extent. And just, you know, no one wishes suffering. No one, no one prays, hey, God, please send a bunch of trials my way. But when we go through this, we have to have the right mindset as we go through these. And so uh, a weird way to get into this is uh, who, ha- who has like a favorite comeback story? It could be sports. It could be a movie. It could be whatever. Anybody have a favorite comeback story that they like to share? It could be a sports team you've watched play. It could be a movie you've seen thousands of times and you always love watching it. Sure. Anybody have a favorite comeback story? It could be you. It could be something you've seen. Um, I remember the book one time, and the girl had, like, this potion that mm-hmm. she wanted with it, and it would, like, make you live forever or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the guy she fell in love with had drank that potion mm-hmm. with it. And she had it to do with it with it. And instead of drinking it herself, she gave it to a frog she saw when she was, like, two years old. Mm-hmm. It was the worst story I've ever yet. I did not like that ending at all because I wanted her to do the question because I was okay. Um, I can think of, I can think of a couple. There was, there was, uh, there was two that actually came to mind. Uh, when I was thinking through this, one I hate, I I hate talking about it because I still remember to this day is when I'll just use a sports analogy for those of you guys who love sports is. Uh, is when the New England Patriots were down 28 to 3 in the Super Bowl and came back to win in one of the craziest ways possible. So as a as a Jets fan, that pained me to watch the team I hate the most with the quarterback I hate the most coming back to win. But it was an incredible it was an incredible comeback. Uh, even even a, even a couple movies, so it's fitting. I actually, I actually watched these last night with Rebecca. Is uh, is Moana and, and Glory Road, and so um, Moana. By the way, first time I've seen it. Great movie, I might add. That is, yeah, fantastic, fantastic movie. But um. But like, think about this. In Moana, it's like when we see it, it's like, can they return this heart? Can they return this heart back and restore everything? Or is darkness going to overcome everything? Of course, in the end, like, you know, Maui and Moana, they work together and they're able to return like this green stone to return life back to everything, which is really cool. Or, uh, or, or Glory Road. If anybody doesn't know what Glory Road is, guys, it's right in. Glory Road. Glory Road's actually based off a true story I'm finding out about like 1965 or so. So this is right when like racism is really like high and things of that nature. And it's this small college, uh, division one school called Texas Western, where they end up hiring like this high school girls basketball coach and taking on and ends up um, recruiting 
several several black players, which is the first time that's been done in, in ever in the sport, and they end up making it all the way to the NCAA championship, going up against number one Kentucky and end up beating them in the national championship. Yeah, true story, and, and which is the craziest thing. And, and honestly, when I was watching, when I was watching Glory Road, I'll be honest, I just assumed, oh, I mean, Kentucky's probably going to win. Like, I don't know if they're going to win or not. I'm just going to assume that. But it's a lot different when we know the end of the story, right? Like, when we know with Moana, like, okay, we know everything's going to come right, right? It's a Disney. We know it's going to end well. Or with Glory Road, when we know the ending, or like, let's say with a sport, when we know what the outcome is, and we go back and rewatch it, we're a lot less stressed, aren't we? We know it's going to happen. We know the end result. Like, okay, I know like the middle here is pretty rough. I know these plays might not work, but trust me, the outcome at the end, trust me. When we have the outcome, the end in mind, aren't we a lot more peaceful about stuff? Like we go back and watch and go, okay, I know there's some details that are difficult going through this, but trust me, in the end, things will work out. In the end, justice will prevail, right will win, this team will win, etc. And... A lot of times, it can be difficult to have that same mindset in real life. Is, is in real life, is, is life can be a lot more difficult, can't it? We face trials and struggles and difficulties. And in the moment, it's really difficult to think, what, what is going on? What is the point? Why am I going through this? And it's tough to have the end in mind. But for us as Christians, we have the greatest hope ever possible. In fact, we have an eternal hope. We know the end of the story. If we go to the back of this book and we read the end, guess what? Christ wins and we're reigning with him because of him. And it's this same mindset, it's the same mentality that we're supposed to have when we do face trials in this life. Because trust me, if we are to live a life glorifying Christ, living for Christ, we will face hardships. But we can have the greatest hope in that, knowing that in the end, Christ wins. And that we can have faith and trust in Him. And that's when we can get through us through these difficult times. Yes, I know it's difficult right now. I know there are some days that are terrible. Some days might be better than others. But in the end, it is worth it. That in the end, Jesus wins. And that's what we will sing about and praise about, just as we did now, for all of eternity. That's what we'll be singing about and praising. But the thing is, it's difficult when we face trials, isn't it? The thing, us as as fallen, sinful human beings, we're prone that we want to escape suffering at all costs, don't we? We want to avoid it like it's the plague. We never want to go through it. But here's what I want to give you encouragement for tonight is that the main point I want us to get out of this is this, that the gospel gives us the endurance to persevere until the end. That the gospel gives us the endurance to persevere until the end. That the gospel is a beautiful thing that not only saves us, It not only saves us, if you will, from hell and delivers us into heaven. It not only saves us from that, but it also gives us all that we need to finish the race. To finish that, to cross the finish line into heaven and see Jesus and know that he, in the end, was worth it. That in the end, he is better. That in the end, he has overcome everything. The gospel gives us the endurance to persevere until the end. We understand the gospel gives us faith to finish. That's what this is called. This sermon's called is faith to finish. 
And so what I want us to look at this evening is, is James 5, 7 through 11. And look at how James tells of how we are to respond to this truth. What we are going to look at is we're going to look at these four verses. And James gives us three commands we are to obey. If we want to be able to live this out and a promise if we live out those and obey those three commands. So if you have your copy of God's word or if you have your notes, it's on the back side of your notes. We're going to be looking at James chapter 5 verses 7 through 11. This is the word of the Lord. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruits of the earth, being patient about it until he receives the earthly the early and late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed to remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Let's pray. Dear God, I pray as just we come before you now, I pray that we will just be free of any distractions, that you won't let anything that's going on potentially at school or at work or at home our own personal lives, I pray that you will just free us from that just over these next few minutes to focus on you, to focus on your word. I pray that we will be free of distractions of, of talking with our neighbors or looking at our phones, but instead you will just help us hone into what you have to teach us tonight, God. That it'll not be my words, but it'll be your words. It'll be your truth that is truly proclaimed. So please give me clarity as, as I preach this, that you will uh, convict us, you will encourage us, you will equip us. I pray that you will help us even repent of sins that maybe we are holding on to and that in turn we'll become more like your son Jesus and become more like the family that you have called us to be here at LSM. So right now, will you let me just hide behind your cross, hide behind your words, and let them speak for itself, and that your power will go out and through this and work in and through us as only you can. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so like I said, James gives us three commands and a promise. And the first command is this, is be patient. Be patient. Right there in very, the very first two words in verse 7 be patient, therefore, brothers. So James is talking to, to fellow believers. It's a lot of poor believers. So last week we looked at the rich unbelievers that he was giving a warning to. Now James is shifting that attention now to poor unbelievers and giving them an encouragement. We saw how last week the rich were being oppressors. They were holding back wages. Just wicked, wicked stuff that the Lord was hearing and that the Lord knew about and was going to give greater judgment. Now he's telling the poor believers that are living through this, hey, here's endurance, here's encouragement, here's what I want you to hold on to as you go through these difficult times. That in the end, it is worth it. That what you're going through right now pales in comparison to what's going to come. And so like he said, the first one is this, is be patient. Which can be so difficult, isn't it? Like, who likes to be said, hey, just wait, just be patient, do whatever. I mean, like, think about it. In today's society, we have Amazon Prime. If our package isn't in two days, we get impatient, don't we? If our food does not come in time, we get real impatient, don't we? Which the 
Chick-fil-A Memorial Boulevard is really guilty of that. Um, that's a whole other story. But, but James says we are to be patient in the middle of our suffering. That we are to be patient. What that patience means, it means like this even temperament during trying circumstances. So like being very even keel regardless of the circumstances that could be surrounding us. And so that begs the question. A lot of times if we say, hey, just be patient, just wait. The natural question that follows that is, well, how long do I have to wait? How long do I have to be patient for? And because naturally we're impatient. So James answers that right after. Be patient there for brothers until the coming of the Lord. But here's the thing, that can be difficult because, again, no one knows the day, no one knows the time, no one knows when Jesus is going to return, but we are supposed to be patient until then. We're supposed to be patient until then. It says, until the coming of the Lord. That coming of the Lord, what that means, it's like it's his presence. His presence when he comes back and the wicked are judged and he delivers his people from that oppression. That, That we're waiting for that coming of the Lord. But here's the thing. I know as we try to be patient, he says, be patient until the coming of the Lord, even though we don't know when that hour is, even though we don't know when that is. Here's a here's a truth we can take away from that is that we can be patient because we know God is faithful. We can be patient because we know God is faithful and how James explains that faithfulness is through imagery that at that time they would understand. Where he says, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruits of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. So again, this, this whole thing of the farmer waiting for the early and late rains, how weird is that sounds? For it, that's basically an analogy he uses then to explain the faithfulness of God. So no matter how bad the season is, rain would come and precious fruits would be produced. So we can have confidence In comparison it today, we can have confidence no matter how bad the season we might be living in is, no matter how bad life might get is, we know that God is faithful to live out his promises. And then we stay faithful to him. We will see precious fruits produced in us. Those fruits of the spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the gentleness, the self-control that wouldn't happen any other ways. We can be patient knowing that God will come through on his promises. That's how we can be patient. Even though we don't know the hour, even though we don't know the day, we know that God will come through on his promises. Knowing that his glory to be revealed and the crowns we receive in heaven pale in comparison to the affliction we will receive now. In fact, Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 4.17 where he says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. That regardless of how weighty things get here, regardless of how bad things get, it pales in comparison. All of it put together pales in comparison to the eternal weight of glory we are going to see when Christ is revealed. And we are standing before him. And we know that he is faithful. Because he's talked about this. He's faithful to come through on his promises. So let me ask you this. Do you believe God is truly faithful? Do you believe his promises that he is with you always? Do you believe he can overcome any circumstance? You can be patient through that. Because God, here's the beautiful thing. God gives us the patience because he is patient with us. 
He understands. A beautiful thing in, in Hebrews 2, 14 through 18, it talks about how Jesus took on flesh, not to serve the angels, but to serve the sons and daughters of Abraham. That's us. He took on flesh and took on every temptation that is possible and has overcome all that to break the chains of sin and death that Satan held. So that it says in verse 18, so that way when we are tempted, he understands because then he can help us when we are tempted. God understands. Christ endured through all of that. So he understands that he can give us the patience to wait until then. That we can know that even though it's difficult right now, we know on the other side it is totally worth it. That, that even though right now it can be really difficult, we know in the end it is worth it. We know truly the outcome. Maybe some of you, you're enduring through school right now and it is really difficult. But you know spring break is right around the corner. You know it is a month away. Or maybe some of you are like, okay, maybe that's not enough. You know summer break is right around the corner. And you can just breathe. You know you're suffering right now. You know you're dealing with it right now. But you know summer break is coming. You know that is promised. Maybe some of you just, you know you're about to graduate. And so you're, you're working, you're striving. But you know that that diploma is going to be so worth it when you walk across stage and earn it. I can understand that. When I, when I earned my degree from Liberty, I know it's like, okay, I know I have these long, na- long nights Early days, all these different works, all these different 20 plus page papers I'm typing, but I know it is worth it when I get that diploma. So now I can look at it in my office going, okay, I I worked hard. I knew that this would be worth it. Maybe some of you, it's waiting to get your driver's license. You know it's coming. You know it's coming soon. You can't wait to earn it, but you know, you know that in the end it is worth it when you get it. I had to wait until I was like a senior in high school before I got my, uh, my license. That was rough. And on top of that, I don't know how it is here in Tennessee, but in Virginia, you have to like log a certain amount of hours during the day, at night, in bad weather, everything. And you had to log every bit of that. A lot of my, lot of my friends lied about that. My parents made sure I got every last one of those hours. And I started like a parking lot and worked my way to like through the neighborhood and to this thing. It was difficult. It was annoying. I'll be honest. But I knew in the end I could get that driver's license and it was worth it. Like, I, finally. On a lot more cosmic scale, even though we go through a lot of things now, we can be patient knowing that in the end, God is faithful and he'll be faithful to come through on his promises to help us with that. Because in the end, it is worth it. And the gospel gives us the patience to go through that. But that leads to the second command we are to obey, which is this. We are to strengthen our faith. We're to strengthen our faith. Or as James says in verse 18, you also be patient and then establish your hearts. That is the second minute. He tells us to establish our hearts. And what establish means, it means to be marked by firm determination, to stand firm, to, to strengthen. Because here's the thing. Yes, we can be patient. We know, okay, we can be patient until the Lord returns. We know that he will come back. He knows that he'll right every wrong. But what about right now? Because think about it, every single day we face temptations, we face difficulties, we face hardships. So yes, I, okay, God, I get it. We can, we can be patient until the end. But what about right now? Like what about I'm going through right now? What about help and encouragement for right now? Because it can be helpful to understand the outcome, but, but we also need strength for today. Because things think about this, on a daily basis, we receive onslaughts all over about our self-worth, 
our identity, morality, the effects of sin. We face it on all fronts, from family, from friends, from teammates, co-workers, strangers, everything. Every day we wake up and leave our house, we enter into this spiritual war zone. That can just, I mean, it can beat us up and it can tire us and it can leave us just exhausted, can't it? thing is, if we truly are trying to live for Christ, we're going to receive trial after trial. And we need to stand firm in our faith in the midst of these trials even today. Because sometimes we face hardships and think, what's the point, don't we? We're middle school, go, what is, what is this for? Like, why am I going through this? Like, what is even the point to all of this? But here's the thing. We can stand firm during the midst of these trials for two reasons. The first one is this, is trials help strengthen our faith. Trials help strengthen our faith. And the second one is Jesus has faced every trial and has overcome it. So think about this. Jesus does not waste any trials. So in a lot of times we sit through these and go, what's the point of this? But Jesus does not waste any trials. In fact, trials reveal what our heart is placing hope in. Trials can push us into the arms of a loving father. Trials can push us into the only hope we can have in the midst of those trials. Trials help us become more like Jesus. You ever heard that phrase, God's not going to give you too much you can't handle? No, sometimes God gives us too much that we can handle. So it pushes us back into his loving arms to know where our help comes from, our hope comes from, and know that he is faithful to be with us through every step of the way. And one of the greatest things we see is that even though we face trials and temptations and sins, we can have confidence knowing that Jesus has overcome every last one of those. That Jesus has faced these, has took it on, and he has overcome every last one of these. One of the greatest ones he's overcome is our salvation. That he took on sin, death, and the grave and has won. And now we can be reconciled back to Christ in the first place. I love this quote uh, from this book called Look and Live by Matt Papa about just like how it can be difficult to go through trials, but we can look at the blazing center of all that, which is the cross. And listen to this quote that he says, see how heaven ordered such deep pain for the salvation of the world and for your soul. And know that if his deepest pain, if Jesus's deepest pain will never be wasted, neither will yours. That your deepest pain that you go through is not in vain. Whatever you face is not pointless. But, but just know that Jesus is right there with you. And he is going to give you not only the patience to endure until the end, but he'll give you strength right now. We can stand firm in his strength, not our own. Because again, we're going into a spiritual war. So if we're going to a spiritual war, we need spiritual strength. And that only comes from the Lord. Thing is, we can strengthen our faith because Jesus has overcome. That regardless of what trial we go through, regardless of how difficult things may get, we know that Jesus has overcome all of that. And as we face these, we can lean more into him. We can lean more into his grace, lean more into his strength, knowing that he is faithful knowing that his resources never run out, knowing that, that he has overcome all of this so we can have confidence knowing that he will help us through this. So here's the thing. We are to look to the cross, not to ourselves. When we face trials, we're not to look to ourselves to get through it. We are to look to the cross. 
That every time we look at the cross, we know that no matter what comes at us, no matter what is thrown at us, no matter how great the situation is, Jesus has overcome. Not by our own strength, but by his grace, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the grave is the same one that raises us from the grave and is alive in us and is working in us and seals us for the day of redemption. In fact, listen to this beautiful passage in Romans 9, how, Jesus, how God holds nothing back to help us. In Romans, uh, in Romans 8, 35-39, listen to this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And that in that love of God, we can overcome everything. That yes, trials are difficult now, but just know that they're conforming us more into the image of Christ. Uh, a way I would illustrate this is, is diamonds being made. Anybody know how diamonds are made? It is made through heat, through pressure, and through time. So it takes on all this heat, all this pressure, gets tighter and tighter and tighter over time. But you know what's produced out of that? That beautiful diamond that we see. Again, the heat and pressure will build up. It can compact and make it difficult, right? But think about what's beautifully produced out of that. It's the same way with us when we face hardships and trials. That they could be extreme. They could be difficult. The heat could get really hot. The pressure could get ramped up a lot and get really difficult. But here's the thing. We can cling to the cross. We can look to Jesus. And then over time, we will be conformed more into his image. And over that, it'll strengthen our faith, knowing that he is overcome. Knowing that if he was faithful in our last trial, he's faithful in the next trial. Or like those, let's say that you condition yourselves when you run. Maybe your first run, you're trying to get a good mile time. First time might stink. But then when you keep going more and more and more, you know you get better and better and better. And what will outcome? The same thing. We continue to rely on Christ more and more and more. Is that he is faithful through all of that. Because here's the thing. We are to establish, as it says in verse 8, it says, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. You see, there's, there's this urgency that James is saying. Hey, hey, be patient until the coming of the Lord. Hey, establish your hearts because the judgment of God, the coming of is, is at hand. We are to establish our hearts because the coming of the Lord is at hand. And James has two meanings for this. One is that Jesus could return at any moment. Is that Jesus could come back at any moment. But the second thing is this, is that in this day, during this time, how these people were taught is to act as if they would be the last generation of Christians. They were to act and live out their lives as if they would be the last Christians ever on the face of the earth. So let me ask you this. Do we live with this type of urgency? Are we establishing our faith more in Christ or more in ourselves and in the world? 
Do we act as if we could be the last generation of believers ever to walk the face of this earth? How would that change our attitudes if we knew we would be the last generation? Think about if we'd be the last generation of believers, how much that would affect the way we live our lives, how we proclaim Christ, how we want to tell others about him. That it rests on us if other people come to know Christ. As believers, we are to live with this type of urgency. Knowing that the coming of the Lord is at hand. Knowing that he could come back at any moment. And that we too are strengthen our faith right now in the midst of trials. Because we're not only... We're not only to be patient until he comes. We're not only to establish our hearts and strengthen our faith right now as we wait for that. But that leads to the third command that we're supposed to do, which is we're to check our heart. We're to check our heart. Here's how James describes that in verse 9. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. The third command that James gives us is do not grumble against one another. And the thing is, this command is closely tied to the second one of establishing your faith, of of living out your faith. Because here's the thing, when we face hardships, it is very easy for us to complain, isn't it? When we face difficulties, it is very tempting for us to take out our frustrations on others we love, like family, friends, loved ones, coworkers, teammates, etc., right? I mean, how many of us are guilty of taking out a difficult day on someone we truly love? I, I have been tempted many times on difficult days to, to just take out my frust- like just take out my difficult day or just vent about my typical, like my, my frustrating day to Rebecca. But, but what does that help? Here's the thing. The command, this command of not grumbling is another form of patience. To not grumble about what we're going through, that we're, that we're bearing with one another in love. Another way of how he describes this form of grumbling, it's likened to criticism of one another. Because, I mean, who loves criticism, right? More specifically, criticism of one another as believers. And, and this criticism, this grumbling to one another, according to James, can place us in danger of judgment. The reason being is because the judge, look at what it says in verse 9. The judge is standing at the door. Like, he's saying Jesus is at the door, could come back at any moment. And what does it help if we are are going at each other during this time? Instead of establishing our hearts and strengthening our faith and, and bearing one another's burdens as we wait for him. As we encourage each other onward to that day that we are looking for. We are to be ready when Christ returns, and that requires us checking our attitude. So let me ask you this. Are our lives in line with what Jesus desires? Are our lives truly being lived for him? Do our lives align with what Jesus has called us to be as his followers? I mean, imagine, imagine Jesus was standing right outside that door for LSM. How do you think we would act? We'd act quite a bit different, wouldn't we? We'd probably, we'd probably want to be on our best behavior. Probably make sure everything looks nice and clean for Jesus. It would change our attitudes if we knew Jesus was right outside the door, wouldn't it? Or, or I'll make it a little closer to home. <laughs> imagine, imagine your parents are going out and they say, hey, I just need you to clean your room. Simple enough, right? I just need you to clean your room. And you decide... Nope, I've had a difficult day, so I'm just going to tear up the house. And imagine they walk into the house as you are tearing up the house. 
Imagine how that's going to go over. You're probably going to face some greater punishment, right? You're probably not going to look too good on it. Or imagine the shock on your parents' face instead. You're cleaning the whole house. (laughs) They will be shocked on that one. But here's the thing. is is like, it's this thought of, okay, if they're right outside the door, then I, I need to make sure I'm ready now. I want to make sure like we're, we're doing everything now. And the thing is, is James is saying that kind of urgency. Look, Jesus could come back at any point. Jesus could return at any point. And how are we going to be living our lives when he returns? Is he going to come back and seeing us all out pursuit of him? Or are we going to see it living our lives for ourselves? Is he going to come back and sing that we are sold out for him, that we are living urgent lives, proclaiming Christ, living for him, that we are checking our hearts and checking our attitudes and saying, you know what, I'm not going to complain. Instead, I'm going to bear one another with my brothers. I'm going to live for him, knowing that in the end it is worth it. We are to check our hearts. But here's the thing. If we are patient till the end, if, if, we, if we strengthen our faith now to get to the end, and if we check our hearts and live for Him now, it leads us to our fourth one, the promise that God blesses those who persevere. God blesses those who persevere. Like I said, lastly, James shows what His promise we persevere. James is saying that the Lord will bless those who remain steadfast in him. Those remain steadfast. This steadfast means the power to face and withstand hardships. And, and here's what I want us to understand what blessing is not. Blessing is not just what makes us happy or material gain. That's not what he's saying here because happiness can be a very subjective emotional reaction. What this blessing is, instead, it's an objective, unaltered approval and reward of God. Imagine having the approval of God. His approval should mean more than the approval of this world. His rewards are greater than anything the world could offer. Any fame, any money, whatever. He is worth more because ultimately the reward is Christ himself. That when we view Jesus as better than anything, then we will forsake everything in pursuit of him. We understand that he has given up, that he has held nothing back from us and he's overcome everything. We realize he is worth it. That he is worth it. And that's what we receive in the end is Christ himself. And so James gives two examples that we are to look at of those who persevered until the end. That is the prophets of the Lord and Job. For the prophets, uh, they were speaking in the name of the Lord and they faced hardships. But the thing is, they faced hardships not because of any of their wrongdoing, but because they were doing the will of the Lord. Which means that when we are doing the will of the Lord, we might face hardships. But again, that when we persevere to the end, we will see that it is worth it. Then we endure doing his will and hardships. He will give us the grace to endure through the end. But secondly, he gives us Job, which is a very fitting one. Job is, is a lot of what we go to think about suffering. And, and I just look through, think about some of the things that Job suffered with. This is some of the things he went through. He had 500 oxen and 500 donkeys. And they were taken by the Sabians. They were just up and taken from him. He had 7,000 sheep. And they were all burned up by a fire. He had 3,000 camels, and they were raided and taken by the Chaldeans. He had many servants in his area, and they were all killed by sword or fire. He had seven sons and three daughters, and the ha- a great wind came through. A house collapsed on them and killed them. 
He got sores from head to his toe so badly that he's using broken pottery to scratch himself and relieve himself while sitting in ashes. You want to talk about going through difficulties and just not having a good time? Try taking that on. But here's the thing. Job, he was tempted by his friends and by even his own wife to curse God. Job questioned where God was and and why it was happening, but he never stopped having faith in God. Thing is, Job did not just passively submit without question. Like, okay, I'm going to go through this. Whatever, I lost all my sheep. I literally lost everything, but okay. Here's the thing. Job did question. Job did doubt. Job had fears. Job struggled, but he never lost faith in God. And what I want us to understand is this, that yes, as we deal with these things, as we're patient, as we try to strengthen our heart, as we try to endure until the end, we face hardships. There's times we go, what in the world is this point? But here's the thing. God is not afraid of our questions and doubts. God is not afraid of our questions and doubts. And the reason being is at the very end is what we see. And you have seen the purpose of the Lord and how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Because God is compassionate and merciful to the suffering. Compassion means he's sympathetic. Merciful meaning he's tender-hearted. He's showing great affection. He's sympathetic and he's tender-hearted and shows great affection towards us when we go through difficulties. Because the God is merciful and compassionate because he understands. Like I said, in Hebrews 2, 14 through 18, like I said earlier, he's took on every temptation and has overcome it and broken the chains that once held us. And so whenever we face any temptation, he is there and understands us. Like we saw in Romans, 9, or Romans 8, 35 through 39, that he gave up his son and nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from that. Or in Philippians 4, 19, where it says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And he will give us everything we need to finish the race. Lastly, I want us to look at Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. To to finish this up as as a beautiful way to look at it. It's because James gives us two. Look at these two examples of those who were faithful until the end. And it's very, it, it reminds me a lot of Hebrews 12, where he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Those witnesses come from Hebrews 11, that hall of faith, if you will. These people that remain faithful to God through it all, no matter how difficult it was. Since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so close and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. That we can look to other people that suffered well and we can know that he is faithful to them and he is faithful to us. And we know that Jesus is faithful and has overcome everything. We can lay aside every weight that slows us down from pursuing him. Then we can lay aside every sin that can hold us back from pursuing Christ knowing that he's overcome it. That every sin that will try to make us stumble, we'll get away. And we can focus on Jesus. Because like it says in there, Jesus is the founder and perfecter of our faith. Some say he's the author and finisher of our faith. Which means this, Jesus will finish what he started. So if he has started a good work in you, he will work on it until the day of completion. So if you have repented of your sins, if you believed on Jesus and you've received him and you are saved, guess what? He is faithful to be with you and finish it for you. You can have faith in him. Knowing he's gone before us, he's lived this. 
And again, he will help us finish the race so that not only does he save us, he secures us until the end. When we cross the finish line, when we step into heaven and we see it, that all of our chains are gone, all of our sins are removed, every weight and sin and trial and temptation and hardship we face pales in comparison to when we stand face to face with Jesus and we see that in the end and we say, Jesus is worth it. That Jesus is better. But until then, he will give us the patience to get until that point. Until then, he will strengthen our faith to endure through now until that point. So that he will work in our hearts to be able to check our hearts and have it be aligned with him. So let me ask you this. Have you aligned your heart with Jesus? Have you repented of your sins and believed on him and trusted him during this time? Because if not, you can have that transformation tonight. Maybe some of you are going through difficult times right now. I'm here to tell you that one, you are not alone. And that two, you have a savior that loves you, that cares for you, that wants to meet you where you're at. There is no darkness too dark that his light literally cannot light up. There is no chasm too wide that his grace cannot bridge. There is no rock bottom too deep that his love cannot meet you at. But more so than that, not only does he deliver us into his kingdom, but he gives us a family. We are family. So I want you to know tonight, maybe there's some of you in here, you are a Christian and you're struggling. You're dealing with hardships. I want you to know, run to Jesus. Sprint to him. Don't let anything hold you back. No matter how far you feel like you've fallen from him or how great the trial is, Jesus understands and Jesus is overcome and Jesus calls you to come back. It says in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Come to me, all you are who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you worn? Run to Jesus. Maybe there were some of you in here that you are a believer and, and you're doing well. You're, by the grace of God, you're not going through trials right now. God is calling you to come alongside fellow brothers and sisters and encourage them during this time. Let us live with urgency. Let us be here at LSM, a family that truly lives for Christ with urgency, that we love one another earnestly as Christ loves us, and that when people walk in, they will see that, that we are a church ready, whether it be now or later when Jesus returns, that we are a church that loves, that we are people that are faithful to pursue him. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for us, and that I want us just to enter into a couple minutes of response. That maybe there is a truth that God has laid on your heart. Maybe there is a sin he's revealed to to be repented of. Maybe there is just something on your heart you need to write down on that. I want us to pray and enter into that time. Maybe Maybe you need to talk to a leader about someone. There's plenty of leaders here that would love to talk with you, to pray with you, to be there for you. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to play just a, a, it's a little instrumental song. It'll be a couple minutes. And then I'll play one last song. And when that last song starts, let's all stand together and we'll sing together and we'll be dismissed after that. So until then, let's pray. Dear God, we are so thankful for you. We're thankful for your love. We're thankful for your mercy. We're thankful for your grace that we don't deserve. We thank you that Jesus has overcome everything. No matter what trial is thrown our way, you are faithful. No matter what comes our way, you are there. No matter what we face, that you understand. So God, I pray that we will return back to you. I pray we will come to you and you will give us rest as only you can. You'll give us patience to wait until you're coming, that you will give us faith to endure through now and that you'll help us check our hearts to align with you, knowing that you will bless those who persevere. 
that even right now and in the end, we will see Jesus is better. So I pray for these next few minutes that we will just respond to what you have taught us, that we've laid on our hearts as only you can. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.